welcome back. I've always wanted to do that. I don't know if that's a good intro. Hi, everyone. I'm Amanda Jusen. I'm the CEO and founder of Baby's Best Sleep. I'm here today with my bestie, Rusty, Lisa Ramrine, not Liza. Lisa, welcome. Thank you. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. We just talked about how there was like a hella storm like five seconds ago and we weren't sure. Oh, it's funny. My daughter was like, uh-oh, you might not get to record your podcast with Auntie Lisa <laughs> because the power was flickering and it was scary. Yeah, same. So yeah, if anything, if we have to take a pause, that is why. <laughs> if you hear a sudden scream, we're not being murdered. It is the, the weather. It's summer storm. Yeah. Just totally in. in May. Okay, so I wanted to talk about this because um, things come to me in in seasons of information where like everyone will have a question about like early mornings and everyone has a question about night feedings and everyone has a question about X Y Z. Right. So, um, okay, I'm just we're down back. My thoughts about separation anxiety. Okay, I'm recording, but we can edit that part out. Okay. Sorry. I pressed it without telling you. That's my fault. Okay. Sorry. We had to pause for a moment because someone was at my door. Welcome to Stratford, Ontario. Anyway. Um, yeah. So I have seasons of information where people ask me, you know, questions about early mornings or all of a sudden everyone's asking about night feedings or all of a sudden, Everyone's asking about, in this case, separation anxiety. And um, often how it comes up for parents on a call or we're chatting is, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, there's a real problem with sleep because my child has separation anxiety. And it's often kind of given this like diagnosis status by the parent and I kind of want to talk about it a little bit, but, but before we jump in, I kind of want to like have like a real life conversation about how you experienced it, Lisa, or, or like, what is your understanding of it? Mm -hmm. Well, the, the idea that only children would have separation, separation anxiety is, is interesting, right? Like I look at myself yeah. as a person who has separation anxiety all the time. Like I have separation anxiety from my home, you know, because I really love my home and I really love my bed when I travel, you know, it's like, so our ideas of what it truly is, is not always measured, right? <laughs> like it's not always <laughs> exactly. Um, That's a good point yeah. that we like, I think about, um, it's funny. So you and I just went on a girl's trip last month and like when I was there, I was fine, but the days leading up to the trip, I was so sad and I had anxiety about leaving my kids. I'm with them all the time. I'm not the mm -hmm. parent who goes away. So mm -hmm. the days before I was like, you know, nervous and, and scared. So separation anxiety can just be like a feeling that you're having in just your everyday life. Right. And, and the fact that it's just like exclusive to children or babies is so silly. Right. So it's mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. um, uh, I experience separation anxiety from my kids and my kids want nothing to do with me. You know, <laughs> they're like living their life and have a great sort of like, you know, I make sure or we my husband and I both make sure that they have a full plate, you know, as much as they want it to be full. And 
and they have a life. And when I am away from my kids, yes, let's use this example of our trip. It was more difficult for me, really. Like none, neither one of, or not, not neither, none of my three children cried for me while I was mm-hmm. away. They really didn't. <laughs> and I cried for that, you know, like, mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. it after a couple of glasses of wine? Sure. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but, but, but that's when I feel my most vulnerable yeah. to let yeah. that anxiety come right out. Right. So, yeah. um, and I was in a safe environment with two people. I feel very good around being. Yeah, that's <laughs> good. <laughs> well, that was good. That's important. Well, yeah. And I think um, so often how it comes up, like, well, I mean, have have there been situations, and I, I can think of definitely some of mine, where you left and your child shows a level of anxiety or they have um, they've cried or they've been upset that you're leaving? I can actually think of one when I was at your house. I think it was the first yeah. time we went out after you had kids. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay. I was childless at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So my second child was, I think he was like maybe just over one, must have been just over one, right? Or mm-hmm. something around there. Yeah. Um, and you and I, as we do, once a year at least, take a girl's trip. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was one of them. Was that the inaugural? I feel like that might have been the OG I don't think it was a girl's day. trip. I think we were just going out for dinner. No, we were definitely heading to Niagara. Oh, I think it was we? that. Okay. Yeah, the very first. It was the first the very one first then. Time. Yeah. yeah, I think it yeah. was that high school reunion. In fact, I know because I remember. Oh, oh that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I remember. So that yes, now. and yeah. it, I think that you sort of started to sense that, like, uh, that feeling of like, oh, mom is leaving, like, and you sort of like, as the bystander in my family, you were watching all of this go down. And nothing thrilled me more than leaving for the night. Uh, I believe we went shopping for clothing first. And then mm-hmm. <laughs> we drove mm-hmm. to Niagara just like the old times. Yeah. And um, and my kid who is, who, you know, my husband has such a good relationship, but obviously <laughs> like we would hope with my kids, like in that they don't really react when I leave. But he did mm-hmm. that one time. It was so interesting. And uh, now I gave nothing to him in that moment. Because, I mean, maybe because I know that, you know, as soon as I leave, he will be fine. And I think he was starting preschool at the same time. But the idea that I would pause to validate my kid's anxiety about something that is so obvious, right? That's like, Mm -hmm. mom is walking out the door. I just Mm -hmm. don't want my mom to leave, right? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. to give it more life than that in that moment felt felt mm-hmm. like I was going to be doing more, just mm-hmm. more harm to him than, mm-hmm. than a service. I, I actually, that's a, so that's a really good segue because I feel like, so the, the reason why I wanted to talk about it this week is, you know, going back to talking with clients, they will sometimes say like, oh, I, I don't really want to do any sleep work because they already have separation anxiety. And so if I am not with them or if I'm not assisting them, this will make things worse. And or we we sort of label kids as having this like diagnosis or, or almost like a condition where it's like, 
you know, oh, this is something that we have to cure or it's unusual for my for most kids and my kids has have it so much worse than everyone else. Um, and why I wanted to do this episode is kind of to dispel that myth, right? That every child experiences separation anxiety. It is a normal part of infant and child development, and it can come and go. So it's not, you know, an official diagnosis. You wouldn't take your your child to the doctor or a mental health specialist and be like, they are really upset. It probably comes and goes. There are times where it's really hard, and then there's times where it's easy. And so I really wanted to talk, I really, number one, want to normalize the fact that it is it is totally appropriate for your child to show those feelings when you have a separation. Um, In fact, so, it probably is a marker to look for if they're not showing that, right? So, right. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, when I'm going to butcher this lately, so I suggest reading this book on your own or whoever's listening. I'm going to like, do I have it? I do. I'm going to show it on the screen, but this is a strange situation by Bethany Saltman, which is one of my favorite books on attachment. And they actually, you know, in the early days when they're studying attachment, um, with their, um, with children and their caregiver, they look to see how the child responds when the caregiver leaves. And generally a healthy sign of attachment is that the child would cry for the caregiver. Or sometimes they wouldn't cry, but when the child returns, or sorry, when the caregiver returns, the Mm -hmm. the child would cry because they feel safe to have those emotions with the parent. So in, in a lot of ways, those big reactions are really healthy. Like they're, they're exactly what you want. Your child feels safe showing that they are on, they, they're worried about you not coming back. And, and for the first time, for some of you, for some of you listening to the podcast, generally between, I want to say like six to nine months is when a baby is really starting to understand that a parent can leave and they may not come back. Um, so what's the best thing that we can do to help that? Well, number one, we we honor those feelings, even in babies. So we talk about honoring feelings a lot with toddlers who, who might have more language acquisition. Um, but in actuality, it's totally cool to talk to your baby. And I did. Like, I had advice yes. to do that. Did you talk to your babies? Like, uh, like people? I, I talk nonstop all day long, every day. <laughs> we are talkers. Um, yeah. So I really, I mean, everybody's like, your child is so verbal. I'm like, they don't yep. ever experience a quiet moment if they're around <laughs> their mother. I would, it's yeah, so even as a baby, I would pick my kids up and be like, now we're doing your diaper change. This cream mm-hmm. smells like this. You know, you sort of mm-hmm. describe your day as you go, but mm-hmm. mostly because I was so, so bored and lonely. <laughs> <laughs> I really just need to speak. I love to talk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and uh, yes, so I'm uh, when we do our sleep work with our clients, we always coach our parents to have a pep talk with them first. Tell them what you're yeah. going to do. Tell them what's going on, especially with our tone, older kids. Even just with your voice, right? Mm-hmm. Like for babies, I feel like if they're hearing you say, I'm so sorry, mommy's leaving. Mm-hmm. I'm walking mm-hmm. out the door. It's so awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or if you're like, hey, guess what? Tonight is a great That's night. That's right. We're trying something new. Yep. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, 
And that's that's what it really comes down to. So I always talk about this um, in terms of of uh, that mental health component that children are co-regulating with their caregiver at all times. So mm-hmm. there's nothing that we can hide from them. Um, this was a, a pretty significant learning for myself and my parenting journey that, you know, when I was experiencing peak anxiety, my therapist asked me, "What? how do you think your children feel? when you're anxious. And I truly earnestly said, oh, they don't know that I'm anxious. And then she was like, you are kidding yourself if you don't think that they know. And I was like, well, I never talk about it. And she's like, you don't need to. And I'm like, oh, that just makes me feel worse. <laughs> but um, we can talk about that at another time. But, but that's the first um, step to making it better. That's the thing. Right? Yeah. I mean, you, should well, feel, it, you should feel something when you realize it, it, that. Well, that's right. And then it was a a huge motivator for me to get better. But it it also, what I learned in the meantime, while I was getting better, was to repeat the mantra, I'm doing the best I can. And it did shift the energy. So for anyone hearing that today and is like, that's me, I feel like bad about this, then that can be something that you just kind of hold in your pocket while you're seeking better supports. Anyway, so... um, when when we are when we are responding so so let's talk about what separation anxiety might look like first so it usually looks like crying when a parent leaves the room um it could be kind of sudden uh, out of nowhere so parents will often say out of nowhere they just started crying when i left the room they didn't even real or care before and it's like yeah their little brains have figured out that when you leave you might not come back and it might come on just one day it might come on pretty suddenly um mm-hmm. it could be like clingy in new situations especially around new people um it could be uh you know it, for some of you bringing your child to daycare and leaving um it could be you know usually it looks when children are a bit older. It looks like your kid saying, mommy, daddy, I want you to sit with me. I want you to da, da, da. And then so um, those are all really normal things that kids do on and off. My kids have done all of those things. Yeah. I remember dropping Nora off at daycare for the first time. So she, she, we had a caregiver for the first three years of her life. And then when she was three, we did this like, um, like day program, like a little half day program. And I dropped her off in the morning and she cried. Like actually the first day she's like, bye. And I was like, I was going to say, was it the first morning? (laughs) No. And then I was like, she's so amazing. And the second day she realized I'm, I'm not coming back right away. Right. And she cried and cried and I was like, oh my God, and I'm crying. And it was, it was messy. Um, but, uh, that's a really normal experience, right? She doesn't know it's, it it is normal to feel worry. It's normal to feel anxiety in those, in those new situations. Um, actually I, last night I had a group of women over in, um, my community. So I had my friend that I know really well, and then her cousin and a friend that she worked with. So like two of the people, um, my daughter didn't really know that well. And so she, they come in and they're like, Oh, hi, how are you? And she's like a little bit shy. She's like, hi. And then she came over and she whispered to me, she's like, it's, weird meeting new people. 
And I was like, yeah, for the rest of your life, it will feel like this. The rest of your life. I also feel weird, but I've developed some coping mechanisms. Um, And I think that we do our children a disservice by telling them that we have to, those feelings are wrong or we need to change them. Or as parents, oh, this is an indicator that they're not secure or there's, you know, it's like, no, they're anxious. Stress is okay. Stress is a great learning opportunity. Um, And I'll tell you on the other side, I taught children for many years, mostly in high school and in middle school. And the kids whose parents did a lot of hovering or managing of the child's emotions, those Mm -hmm. kids didn't really have the tools to do that themselves on their own. Like they really, really struggled to regulate. And the idea that you won't have to learn that one day without your parent being present and mm-hmm. and coaching you through that is, mm-hmm. is silly, mm-hmm. first of all. like I think that this says a lot about me, that we started this podcast talking about separation anxiety, and I immediately thought we're addressing my separation anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I I set up this this lesson have, or this lesson. <laughs> but imagine if I was like, I want to talk. I want to call you out about your anxiety about leaving your kids. Like that'd be insane. But I think what you do so well is you always call me out for having that anxiety yet still going through. Yeah, leaving my kids right. Like I think that even like since my kids were so little, you always commented on that. Like seeing how hard it was for me to leave, and always just being like, "Good for you for doing the thing," you know. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm not saying so. Then then we have to get really clear about okay. So while all of that is uncomfortable, it's normal, it's stressful. Those things are true. It doesn't mean that we say suck it up. Blah, blah, blah. They're actually really responsive, lovely things that you can do for your children to allow them to feel secure, but also allow them to feel that separation because it's impossible, even maybe not for some families, but there will be times like if you have, you talk about this all the time, you had to leave the second child more like kind of on their own in a crib because you're dealing with the first that's a separation right that's right and and so it it's it is truly impossible to never say i will always be right next to you because we can't make that guarantee so why not build some resilience in safe and secure ways right like how can we make the child feel secure um, while building up capacity for the child to do that in the future. That's that's mm-hmm. really what I want to do. Um, so, for example, with last night, I sort of took my daughter aside and I said, it is weird and it feels funny. Does it make you feel nervous? And she said, yeah. And I said, yes. It's, it makes me feel nervous still, too. And she said, okay. And I was like, you can just come out and talk whenever you feel comfortable and ready. And she right. did. And it, she, she took time. But we validate the feelings. But I'm not about to, like – ask my friends to leave because <laughs> she feels nervous, right? <laughs> right like right. time to go. Sorry, I didn't expect this to happen. But we do do that for our babies all the time. And we mm-hmm. do do that. We we might change our whole entire behavior, right? Um, so, yeah. so sometimes, like, so if we were to, 
you know, the common situation is, okay, I leave the room or I go to leave the room and my child is upset. Okay. So Mm -hmm. we'll go back in maybe once or twice and say, listen, I'm going to leave. I love you so much. I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. And you leave, they're allowed to have those big stressful normal feelings. You leave and guess what you do? You come back and you continue to come back and you allow them to build capacity and trust through the idea that you're coming back. Now, I have a, I have a, like a lot, I have two stories to tell because I wrote these down because they're, I, I, they're goodies. Okay. 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 Number, uh, just good examples. So one, when I was going on my first trip, I was, um, I went back to work pretty early. So when he was four months and I had to go away for 48 hours for a school trip to supervise and I was distraught and my friend Lindsay said, Amanda, you know, the best thing my mom told me is every time you go or the first time you go, it's a gift to your child to know that you always come back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And that's true because the more you go and the more you come back, the more your child learns to trust that it's okay that you leave. So yeah. remind them that you're coming back and don't try to avoid the big feelings that come along with that. Because then I think back to, oh, how old was I? I think I must have been 13 or 14. And I was babysitting for my aunt's friend. And the little boy was two years old. Maybe I was a bit older. Anyway, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Times have changed. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Times have changed. I'm trying to think of when it might be. But anyway, um, I go and the boy is two years old. And the mom, he's really upset that his parents are leaving. Mm -hmm. And the mom just said, I'm just going outside. I'll be right back. And she didn't come back. And that boy stayed up crying in my arms for the entire night until the mom came back. Four hours nonstop, unrelenting. And he was just like, when is she coming back? When is she coming back? She's not back. She says she's coming back. And that's where we get to, we don't want to play tricks on our kids. I don't believe in being dishonest. I don't like... There are even for toddlers, there are methods that say, okay, tell them that you'll stay there. You know, I'll be right back. And and then you stop coming back. And I just don't like it because if you don't, if, if you're not going to do what you say, your child yes. will start to develop other anxieties about your word not being what it, you say it is, especially as they get older. Um, and, and I notice a lot of people who are, I find like, you know, we're so into telling our kids the truth, right? It's like, oh, mm-hmm. we have to be honest. But then, like, you, in these kind of situations, you tend to just say the thing that's just the easiest thing to throw out there, right? So, like, yeah. I have yeah. to be so careful, even reminding my caretakers, like, people who take care of my kids and my mom, you know, grandparents, no, just tell them the reality. No, we're not going to yeah. be doing that, or you're not going to yeah. be right back. You will be back in one day, you know? Yeah, yeah That is exactly. a much healthier expectation than... I'm just going right and I'm just going to be in the car or something, you know. And and because what we're always trying to avoid when we do that, and I understand why people do that. I I totally get it because we're trying to avoid the big reaction that comes after. And I think once we as parents learn to be comfortable with our child's discomfort about Mm -hmm. normal things, everything changes for you. 
everything. It changes for the child. We don't have, we have less anxiety when we're presented with that. We have to stop thinking our child's normal behaviors and instincts are abnormal and things to fix or things because that we have to stop. They make us feel right. That's, yes, that's right. 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 That's exactly right. it. So when you say my child has separation anxiety, I say to my clients, well, every child has separation anxiety. And what we want to do now is build up trust around that separation anxiety. We need your child to experience that discomfort and we need to go to them and continually come back and comfort them. And when it's possible, we securely are, you know, snuggling and touching and hugging. And then when it's time for separations, that's okay. Like, let's even take sleep out of it. Like, there are going to be times that you have to leave your child. Like, let's build that capacity for them so they feel really secure doing that. Um, And we're not talking about like, especially for older children, you know, I'm not overriding your doctor or your psychologist. Uh, official clinical diagnosis. I'm not. What I'm saying is like the normal separation anxiety that, you know, kind of comes and goes. And, you know, I remember, oh my God, do you remember when Winnie used to cry when she saw Clayton out of nowhere? And then it would be like just new people because she didn't see it. Like every time we came, it'd be like you and the boys. And then like Clayton showed up and she's like, absolutely not. Get out. Yeah. That's that's a new person. (laughs) I don't like it. Yeah. (laughs) But this is the other thing. Just that like, you know, constantly meeting him. Like he's at things, you know, when you come over now, he's there. Yeah. Yeah. I think we made a proper effort to make sure Clayton's included in more things. Oh, but I even think like when we were hanging, but I think that's not, he was just working. He was at work. So it would be like during the day. Yeah. 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 But, uh, you know, remind yourself that like number one, separation anxiety is normal. Their protest is normal. We don't have to stop the protest. We can respond to them and their feelings and their thoughts and do all that. So the other thing, the other misconception about any sleep work, if we want to tie it back into sleep work is like, you know, I, I was having a, not a discovery call. I was having a chat with someone's like, well, you know, what happens down the line if they're teething or sick? Do I just leave them? When people say, do I just leave them? It makes me like, no, we never just leave our kids. We let's be thoughtful about what we're doing. We go in like, it's also funny that people think I have two children and like, I've never parented them in the middle of the night. I shut it down. I lock the door. They could be bleeding and crying and coughing. And I'm giving double middle fingers to them being like, absolutely it's not. It's me time. It's me time. Like, of course not. This is the of time course. I leave you. <laughs> there was this article. Out, oh, God. It was like close to 10 years ago or like just when I had Winnie. It's like. I think the title is like why I believe in nighttime parenting. And I was like, yeah, and I don't fuck you kids. Like we're not doing this. Like it's so bananas. No, (laughs) you always go to them. If they're sick, like I've sat with my kid when they're sick and fevered and they've slept on me. I have always gone in, but it's like when they're just crying because they're learning something new or they're having a struggle and there's no obvious injury or illness or anything, 
you can always go to your child, comfort, console, chat with them. Hey, it's okay. Leave. Then some people will say, well, if I go in, it makes the protest worse. Well, okay. They're they're allowed to feel that way. They probably right. wanted you to do something that you didn't, and then you left, and it makes sense. It doesn't mean that we stopped doing it. It means that we need to continually um, check in and make sure that they understand that when I come in, these are the things that are happening. Right. And I, and I think also just being able to like check, going back, taking it back to me, guys, you know, yeah. how much of this anxiety is actually your anxiety as mm-hmm. a parent, right? Mm-hmm. And not mm-hmm. not what mm-hmm. your child is actually experiencing or. Um, yeah, you know, that's a really good to. point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's such a good point. I mean, how much of this is our feeling bad about like not being able to like meet that need in that moment, right? Mm-hmm. That anxiety. Yeah, or how us. much of it is just coming exactly stemming from whatever it is that is for you, right? Whatever the leaving the child represents in your life for that moment mm-hmm. or yeah. and um, how you were parented and maybe well, exactly, like that's- yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. But also, it's like, you know, you're saying, of course, you go to them when they're sick. And when my children are sick, I tend to sleep with them. Like, they either mm-hmm. come to my room if they're too big, you know, if they're really mm-hmm. sick, I go and sleep with them. And, um, you know, and it, it is about my anxiety. You know, it is about mm-hmm. that. That is what mm-hmm. it's about. But again, my daughter, my my both of my sons have enough, uh, have a very strong sleep hygiene practice you know and so when it is time for them to sleep on their own when they're well again then they do they just jump right back into it and yeah Yeah. but I mean again it's like it's figuring those things out and really really checking yourself as a parent yeah what state you're in right Uh so are you at a hundred when they're coughing in the middle of the night and you you know you don't want to leave them okay sure that's maybe that's like warranted you know but yeah um Anyway. Oh, I, I totally, I agree with all of that. And I think that's like, when people talk about like, tune into your instincts and follow them, I, I couldn't agree with that more, right? Like you have to like, is this a problem for me? No. Am I following some like arbitrary guide to parenting? If the answer is yes, then just do what you want to do. Feel out like if you continually, like there are some people who, you know, my kid has a cough, they're in my bed. Then when they're not in bed, they're constantly crying. Well, then maybe we can figure out another way. Maybe you go to their room the next time or something, right? Like we figure out Mm -hmm. a way that we can avoid that protest next time or that confusion. But I think you, you have to follow your instincts in those, in those moments. Um, and any sort of behaviors that are introduced, we can, we can switch it up again after. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Lisa, we're at 30 minutes and 19 seconds. That's a good nap. We're getting there. Mm -hmm. Um, a few things I kind of want to shout out before we go. Number one, we have an amazing team of consultants, including myself, that would love to assist you. Um, so you the can book the, literally the best. I know. I'm so really, biased. Really, really, we're so lucky. <laughs> They're so good. Everyone is such a star, um, and I love them deeply. Uh, so you can book them at babiesbestsleep.com. Uh, I have a blog there that you know, if you like reading things instead of listening, you can go there. You can watch this on YouTube. 
You can find me on Instagram at Baby's Best Sleep or on TikTok. And if you're listening to this and you think, hell, I want to do this. I want to help people sleep. Um, I run a certification program twice a year. And the next one is coming up in September. And it's actually filling up, which is bananas because I'm not even (laughs) promoting it right now. (laughs) So if you want to do that and you're really keen and you listen to this podcast every week, um, you can head over to babiesbestsleep.com and find out more about the certification program. Any last words from you, Lisa? Do do the thing that you want to do, mama. (laughs) I know this is supposed to be about the separation anxiety for kids, but I really do take it on myself. I feel like the biggest anxiety person in my house is me. (laughs) I feel like you're like, I've done a lot of processing (laughs) in advance of this episode about mom separation anxiety. And we're like, it's about babies. And you're like, I'm still going to say my piece. I do love all right. me. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Let's do it. All right. Thanks, everyone. We will see you next week on the Slumber Party Podcast. Bye. Bye.